thank you, Lord, that clarity of mind uh, will come to every person that hears me speak. And I thank you, my God, that you... Uh, I want to speak in such a way that people can believe, that it can resonate with your inner voice in their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. Right. Um, I want to speak a little bit about the difference between the global birth and the individual birth. What is the difference between the global birth and the individual birth? When we get into, uh, if we look at uh, on Facebook and we look at different preachers all over the world, we can easily get confused about who's born again and who's not born again. And uh, because some scriptures, it seems to say, say that, um, you only get born again when you believe and other scripture seems to say that the whole world is saved and uh, uh, we, we sit with uh, uh, unction in our heart that says both is true but how does it work a and we don't know and um, it can bring a great confusion and it can bring a lot of fighting and division between people so um, I've been walking with, with, with this message for for some time now and um, a while back I, I ministered it uh, about a, a year and a half, two years ago I, I ministered a message called Redemption versus Salvation. I don't know if those, those of you that's listened to it where and I explained more or less what I'm going to say now but I, I believe this is going to be from a, a bit of a different view. One thing we must realize is that the word faith, let, let's just look at what happened in Adam and what happened in Christ, okay? What, had, what happened in Adam, although we can say today that, you know, Christ supersedes what Adam has done and we believe that, it was not insignificant, okay? It could have caused the complete destruction of the human race forevermore. The mandate that sin had was this, the, the wages, the payment of sin is this, to kill every human being and every living organism and everything that has life forevermore. That is the law of sin and death. To kill everything forever. Not to kill some people sometime. The, 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 the only way that that system could be taken out of the way was if somebody could fulfill it and if somebody could take the payment of it. Like I said yesterday, Jesus, the Lamb of God, took upon him the sin of the world and then he went to the cross. And the mandate of sin was to pay with the payment of death every human being to pay them with death. To reward them with death. And then Jesus went to the cross so that the whole payment of the death of all people could be on one man. So that that system didn't have a mandate anymore. Okay? Now, in the Old Testament, what happened in Adam and what, what man lost, I believe, was his, um, his right to live by faith. Because the, the way the Trinity functions is by belief. The, the, the thing that causes the deepest part of you is called your heart, which is your belief. It doesn't matter. If you are a king's son, if you believe that you are poor, your belief supersedes your reality. 
Okay. And the enemy knew that. And he knew that the, the thing that was bringing into unity or that made the Trinity one was belief. They believed in each other. We think sometimes that the Trinity is one because of some mysterious thing. No, no. The, the reason why Helena and I, we are one, is not because we've had sex. It's because we believe in each other. The belief in each other is what makes us one. The, we, you, you can have a marriage where the, 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 the two can sleep together, but they're not in unity. They're not one. Because they don't believe in each other. So to me, one of the most strongest things or the strongest thing that defines unity is belief. In the Old Testament, the word faith is only used twice. Of which one is a prophetic word of the New Testament which says the just shall live by faith. In the New Testament, it's used 239 times. So what did God come to restore? Your right to live by belief or faith. When man was sold into slavery by Adam, even if you wanted to live by faith, you didn't have the right. It would have been called fornication. Because you were enslaved to and married to a husband called definition by ability. You are what you do. If you marry to, you are what you do, and you say, I am going to be set free from, I am what I do, just for a weekend, and quickly say, I am just going to believe in a wonderful God that loves me, God could not partake in it, for it would be called adultery. Let's read it. You don't believe me. Let's read Romans 7. My goodness, I thought we could just quickly go over this stuff. Okay. <laughs> Romans 7 verse 1. Now I'm reading the King James. Now you're not brethren. Now listen, just for, just for interest sake, do you know why you read the King James? For authority. Do you know why you read the message? So that you can understand the King James. Know you not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law has dominion over a man as long as what he lives. For the woman which has an husband is bound to the law, bound by the law to her husband so long as what he lives. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. So if while the husband lived, you be married to another, what will you be called? An adulteress. So while the law system was active, man could not marry God. Man could not live by belief. You had to live by works. Your life was found in works. Your life was not found in belief in God. You had to work for your salvation. But if the husband be dead, she is free from the law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, 
you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. That you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Okay, so, what does he say? He says, the old husband that we were married to, which was the law. Now, I wish I had time to explain how the law really works, but um, j just believe me. We... we <laughs> We're married to the law, okay? When we were married to the law, we were bearing fr the fruit of the law. What is the fruit of the law? Sin and death. You could not go and live by another contract unless that man died. Because God is not going to be a partaker of adultery. He said, I'll rather incarnate myself into that other dude and then die. And raise myself up a brand new husband or a brand new guy, and then I can show who I am to this lady that is now a widow. And if she can fall in love with me, she can start to believe in me, and we can marry, and then she can bear my children. And that fruit is what we call the fruit of the Spirit, or it's called eternal life. Amen. We need to understand that. If we cannot understand that, we will struggle to see what Christ has really done for us. When we study the Bible, this is just a thing that I put in here for those of you that like to study. Whenever you see the word righteousness, it doesn't always refer to the righteousness that we... There's different righteousnesses. There was a righteousness that every human being possessed while in the Old Testament. Then there's a righteousness that every person today has, even if you have not believed in Christ. And then there's a righteousness that every person that believes has. Then there's a justification that every person had when you, before Jesus even was, came to the earth. Then there's a justification that every believer has. And then there's a justification that shall still happen. So, if you can't define these things and, and distinguish them from each other, this Bible is going to be one big mess up. Okay? We're not going to understand these things. Now, let's talk about the global birth. When Adam came and he disobeyed God, everybody was born into slavery. Your faith was not needed. Your contribution was not needed. You were not, you had no choice. He was, Adam was like your representative, like the president of a country is the representative of a whole nation. Can I have some water, please? Um, like, like a president is a rep the representative of a whole nation. Thank you so much. He is the representative if the president of America goes to China and he speaks for America, I don't care if you believe in him, I don't care if you agree with him, what he says is what you say. Isn't it? You can hate him, you can curse him, he is your president, and if he is in front of China and the people there like him, then they say, those Americans are good. If they don't like him, it doesn't matter how well you've treated your wife. You are 
regarded as bad by the one representing you. And that's what happened in Adam. He was the, he was, and that's what I like. We get normal people, and then we get the Adams. The Adams are the, the presidents, <laughs> the representatives of us. That's how I see the Bible. So the, there was only two of them ever. The first one and the last one. Thank God that the first, imagine the first one could partake of the tree of life. He would never have had the ability to die. And forevermore, mankind would have been bound by being defined by ability. Separated from life. From belief in God. Amen. So, he represented you. There was a birth. A, a Kenneth Copeland years ago said that the whole human race was born backwards. Born again backwards. Because of what Adam did. You didn't have a choice. Then Jesus Christ came. And he died away the old man and gave birth to a new kind of a man. You didn't have a choice. Your faith was not needed. A new race was born before God. A race that is innocent. A race where that has got no contract with the law anymore. Your contribution was not needed. And we're going to look at some verses concerning that. Let's go and have a look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And we read from verse 12. It talks about the Gentiles here. It says um, that, at, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, this is now before Jesus came, and strangers from the covenants and the promises, and the promise have no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For He is our peace, who made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in His flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in Him of two one new man, and so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And then let's read the next verse, it's also beautiful. Um, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. So, what happened? When the law system came in, there was two kinds of people. Those that obey and those who don't obey. And then the law was even given to the one kind in written format called the Jews and the Gentiles. And then when Christ came, He made of these two one new man. So, from the system of these two people, Christ came without the contribution of anybody, without the faith of anybody, and gave birth to a new man. So that there is no more Jew and no more Gentile in Christ. That doesn't talk about the believer. It talks about the human race. In the human race, there is no more Jew and no more Gentile. And I wish some TV stations can get a hold of this. Amen. Okay. Amen. My goodness, this whole Israel thing 
irritates the living daylights out of me. <laughs> because it's, it's spitting on the cross of Jesus Christ. Right. Was that too radical? <laughs> I just, it just came out. <laughs> Sometimes things just jump out. So, the, so God made one new man. So, in a certain sense, we can say that the whole world was now born again. But I want to explain that born again. Because if we are going to confuse that born again, and, 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 and you know, I haven't listened to everything Mike preaches, I haven't listened to everything Caleb preaches, um, and what, I, I listen to a lot of my own teachings. And, and maybe like Caleb says, I'm so full of pride that I just teach myself, but man, it's good stuff. So, <laughs> so, uh, um, so, so just hear my heart. And I like a conference like this. Let, let the people share their hearts and let's learn from it. But I believe we should not conf co confuse that with John 3. And I'm going to explain John 3 because John 3 includes this. But there's a part where we must realize, like in the Trinity, the Trinity is three, yet one. And one, and yet three. It would be wrong to take Jesus to, 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 to say, no, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit is so one that we cannot call them three anymore. Because then you've robbed Jesus or the Father or the Spirit of their individuality. And that's the problem that I have with universalism or uh, ultimate reconciliation or that kind of thing is I lose my individuality. I've got a president and that's all I've got. I'm not Bertie anymore. The only relationship that I have with God is the relationship that God has with the president. But I am just... Well, I'm represented in Him and bless God for the benefits, but what about my individuality? It's like Helene and I, we are one. Even I, could, I can even have a scripture in the Bible to prove that we are one. But you know what? She's watching me right now in South Africa and she's, I mean, she's eight hours ahead of me now. On the other side of the world. Caring for my three boys. Okay? We are two. Yet we are one. She's got a certain personality and I've got a certain personality and it took some time for these two to adapt. <laughs> Amen. I had to humble myself. So, and I just think that in this whole light that the Holy Spirit is bringing towards the gospel, we should never lose our individuality. Because, you know, I was confronted, and I'm just speaking from my heart now, I was confronted and studied out, everybody's going to be saved one day, and the whole thing of, uh, um, I, know, I, I think you know what I'm talking about. And as I studied out, it sounded very good. And the more I studied, the more I felt something inside me, is I'm losing something. And what I felt I was losing was Bertie. Bertie's dying now. My individuality is gone. I'm part of this sovereign God that makes his own decisions that I've lost my place in the Trinity. I've lost my place where I can sit around a table with God and we decide about things. Which to me is much greater love than, well, I'll just do everything for you. You just sit because you're not good enough to do anything. I would rather say, let me say to the other person, 
in your own ability, you can do nothing. But let me inspire you in such a way that who I am can live in you, that you can do something by the power that I've inspired you with. Amen. To me, that's greater love. And one thing we need to realize, arranged marriage does not equal freedom. I put that on Facebook, people say, yes, but, you know, my parents, you know, they're in arranged marriage and 90% of the people in India with arranged marriage, it works for them. Listen, I don't care if it works. It's not freedom. If you were so scared to say no when it comes to marriage that you just got into it because you, you, that, that's, they've decided for you and you got into it, what's the chance of you getting divorced? <laughs> I tell you, if you get divorced, it will be after the parents died. Because it's arranged. To me, what happened in the law was all our freedom of choice was taken away. We had to live by you shall do. And then we were born into that. And then the whole world was born into a new kind of a man. A free man who's been restored to the original design, the original plan, which was long before the earth was ever created, which existed before, I mean before creation, the, in the Trinity, the relationship of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, which is based on belief in each other. Knowing each other, loving each other, adoring each other. That original design of, on how we function was restored in the resurrection of Christ. And now the new man is preached. You are not under the law anymore. You have been born into a new kind of a man. But that does not mean that the life that you have today is born of God. For have you believed in Him or not? I hope you hear what I'm saying. Glory to God. So everybody has been, and I, I, I want to use my words carefully, I want to say everybody was recreated. That would be the correct wording. Everybody was recreated without your choice into a new kind of a man. And that is the righteous act towards man. You know, I hope you hear what I say, and, and I'm thinking about this, and I'm just throwing it out there. I don't believe in a thing called unmerited favor. How can, imagine my son goes into, does something wrong, and he's on drugs, and now I go and help him, and I say to him, this is unmerited favor. There's no merit for this favor that you're getting from me. If I must judge him only on works, I can say maybe there's no merit. But if I must judge him on design and value, my, my goodness, there's more than enough merit. Call it merited favor. Glory to God. We're not worth nothing, man. By law, it's unmerited. But by design and the love of God, and the kind of people we are, and the offspring of God, like Arthur so beautifully explained here, we are. There's too much merit for giving His Son. So, here we are, a people that has been recreated. A new man was created. And now, in this new, the love of God, and the person of God, is revealed. Amen. And we can now, from there, believe in it. But I want to I just... Don't go ahead of myself. I want to read some verses. Let's uh, look at the new man created again in 2 Corinthians 5.
2 Corinthians 5. Um, a good way to explain this as well. Now, you know, we, we went through this uh, in South Africa. You know, the, the old apartheid era was ended about, what, 1994. We had a big election and everything, and New South Africa came. You know what? <clears throat> One man, and I, and I wrote it down this way. All are New South Africans, but all are not born from it. Nelson Mandela gave me life. All were included in Mandela, but all are not born from what he did. I hope you hear what I'm saying, because there are still people hoisting the old South African flag at their house. Apartheid is well and alive in them. The Bible even says in, in Romans 8, it says, For those who are in Christ, the spirit is life and the flesh is death. For those that are in Christ, we are all in Christ. But even if you are in Christ, I want to tell you, you can either be born of the flesh or born of the spirit, depending on what you believe in. Because we have been recreated into a system that works means nothing, but beliefs determine something. We are in, in a place where, you must realize, we have been set free to a much higher form of life. You know, I believe, and, and, and this is just my theory. I, I, I can't see it everywhere in the Bible, this is my theory. I believe every child that is born is 100% saved. Okay? And then, when you teach him the lie, he believes himself into death. Okay. <laughs> because the righteous shall find their life by faith. So God came and gave everybody a right to eternal life. Okay. And the one that has that right, the righteous, can only live by the, 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 the Trinity's principle of life, which is belief in each other. That's why I hate anything that takes away my belief. I want to believe. I want to believe. I don't want others, I, I don't want a relationship. My, my goodness, you know, it's like um, the other day I met Andrew Womack and I could speak to him and, and chat to him. You know, I've preached in many of his schools and I've spoken to many of his students and I've listened to many of his messages, you know, but I've never met the guy. So the other day I could, for, over lunch for an hour or two, we could just sit and fellowship. Now that was nice. From there we could start to believe in each other. And we can't live on hearsay. In the very same thing with, with God. The platform was created by Jesus Christ for you to start to rest your mind in the integrity of God and find a life born from that. And that is what you call being born from God. Hallelujah. That's my definition. Now that right. Let's go to Second Corinthians five and read it. If you don't in, listen, you don't have to get thousands of people to agree with you. If you and God believe something, you're a majority. Amen. Amen. And you need to know that. What does help you agree with seven billion people? That's wrong. Rather agree with God and be right. Amen. Because God's not going to change His opinion because people don't agree with Him. God's not threatened if people agree with it or not. Because He cannot be anything but Himself. And the being that created us 
is a being that functions from persuasion. Hallelujah. Now that verse that says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. The word blessed in Hebrew means barak, to speak well. To stand on bended knee and speak with adoration. That's what it means. Blessed be the God and the Father. Stand on your knee and speak well of the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has spoken well of us. And then the Greek says, with the highest and the most eloquent speech that could be found in the heavens. That speech is not Afrikaans, English, Hebrew, or anything like that. It is a human being speaking about us. And that's the platform from where we can start to see the very character of God. And as our mind gets to rest in this truth, and we call upon this truth, making use, saying, I see this truth. I make use of the fact that I'm truly innocent before God. I am, my life finds its origin in the fact that who He is and what's true in Him is true in me. The moment that happens, I want to tell you, you've got the right to say, Everything that happens in your life originates from God. Hallelujah. That's beautiful. Because if you don't enjoy this message, I enjoy it myself. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The context here, go and study it out, is Jew and Gentile. That is the context. The context was the Jew and the Gentile, and he said, The old things have passed away. From verse 12. For we commend not ourselves again. Um, am I in the right verse here? Sorry. Um, not ourselves again unto you, but give your occasion to glory on our behalf, that you may have somewhat to answer them, which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is, um, it is to God. Whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constrains us, because thus we judge, that if one died for all, then were all dead. The context is people that boast in the flesh, just the previous verse. Okay? And people don't boast in the flesh. Who boasted in the flesh? The Jews. The Gentiles didn't boast in the flesh. They didn't find their salvation in being a Gentile. The Jews founded their salvation in being a Jew. Okay? Then he said here, we don't worry, excuse me, about those things, for we have got this love that compels us and this revelation that if one died, then all died. Meaning, there's no, the, the Jew died and the Gentile died. And God made one new man. And he that died for all, that they which live should henceforth not live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them. So the, the Gentile cannot live unto, I'm a Gentile, and, 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 and I'm far from God. And the Jew cannot live unto, I am close to God because of the fact that I'm a Jew. Therefore, if any man be in Christ. So what is it? Therefore, if... In other words, he comes and he wants to explain a principle. This is the principle. He says, therefore, if or since every man is in Christ. But let's, let's get the word since, even the word if. Therefore, to explain that if is like this. If I take um, gasoline and I take a match and I say the following. If this match, if I light it and I bring it to the gasoline, it shall burn. That's the principle. If all people are taken in one man Christ, then there is no more two people, but a new man was born before God, and the whole human race was recreated. That's what he says there. 
It is not if you're in Christ. In other words, if you one day decide I accept Jesus, now I'm in Christ. That's not what it says there. It's a conclusion, the if there. Right. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, is a new creature, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new, and all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself. Who's the us? The new man. Okay? To himself by Jesus Christ. He took the two, made them one, put them in Christ, and in that way the whole human race was reconciled unto God, okay, and has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation to testify that God was in Christ reconciling the whole world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of this reconciliation. So, every preacher only has one word and one ministry. The whole world was recreated in one new man. There's no such a thing as an old dirty sinner anymore. There's a new man, mankind, a new kind of man created by Christ. And now we can tell this man, God has reconciled you unto him, and now this new man, this just man, if he has faith, he shall have life by entering into a new way of experiencing life. And the old you experience life by what you do, and the new you experience life by the same principle by which the Trinity experienced life, and that is belief. So God was not stuck up in heaven and he said, well, let's see if they believe me and let's make a law of belief so that they can believe and when they believe, then they qualify. No, no, no. That's not what he did. All he did was he released you from everything that could rob you from your natural way of living, which is belief. For that's how God functions. It functions by belief. I want to believe. We are belief machines. We can't but believe. And what we believe is determined by what we hear. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Right. Let's go to another verse. First <clears throat> um, Corinthians 10. You know, if you could have God's quality of life without, listen to this, without believing in Him, you are not the God kind. Not the God kind. You're in some other kind. I don't know. You know, animals don't believe in each other. I don't know what, the best I can liken it to is animals. They have an animal quality of life without belief. It's just this, you know, nature decided for them to a certain way. But we are not animals. And I, and I like what Arthur said, if we can understand our origin, man, where we come from, what kind of being we are, we will never say faith or belief is a work. We will say it's a treasure. We will say, oh, thank God for Jesus. Because we could come back to a place where we can live by persuasion again. 
If I cannot believe in my wife, there's no relationship. That's why so many times when a husband and wife, the one cheats on the other one, it's actually the end of the relationship because they cannot believe in each other anymore. Even if they live in the same house, trust, the trust was broken. I don't say it cannot be restored, but just hear what I'm trying to say. Without trust, relationship cannot be defined. Without that spiritual thing called arresting of the mind in the integrity of the other person, which is the definition for belief, to rest your mind in someone's, someone else's integrity, someone else's friendship with you, when your mind goes to rest at that, that's when you believe. How? And that is how God is born in you. When your mind can go to rest at His integrity, and the only way your mind can go to, go to rest at His integrity is when you can make use of the fact that Jesus portrayed who the Father was and restored you to a place where you can believe again. It's like telling you, listen man, I don't know who of you drive Land Rover, but Land Rover is a risky thing. In South Africa there are many Land Rovers. We go, we go so far to say, if you drive a Land Rover, if you're still driving a Land Rover, that's your own fault. <laughs> you know? You've been warned. But now these days, when you look at these new Land Rovers and Range Rovers, it would be impossible for you to rest your mind or believe in a Land Rover unless somebody can come with a Land Rover and show you all the good and prove the good to you to the point that your mind goes to rest in that vehicle. And the moment that your life, your, your mind goes to rest at the quality of that vehicle, and you say, I make use of this truth, you will find Land Rover giving you a new life. It will take you wherever you want to go. It will protect you in an accident. Land Rover will do it. But it will be impossible for you unless something good happens that can change your mind. That's another thing. Listen, you don't renew your mind. The gospel renewed our minds. Amen. You don't have to go for five lessons in meditation on cancer if the doctor tells you you've got cancer. Because the word possesses enough power to force you to think of it. But the word we preached in the church was never powerful enough to force our minds to think of it. But this message, when I heard the grace message, you know, through Ed Elliott and Arthur preached a wonderful message, changed my life years ago, called the, the, the mercy seat, the mercy of God. In 94, 95, you know, it, it like, uh, um, when I heard it, it captivated my mind that I couldn't stop to think about it. And I started to believe I'm innocent. I am righteous. I could believe in who He is. And I found a life born from Him. Second Corinthians 10. Verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant <clears throat> how that all our fathers were under the cloud. Say, all our fathers. All. Okay. And all passed through the sea. All. And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud, in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat. And did, drink all, and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Okay, so who was led out of Egypt? All. All. Okay, now that, the Bible says, is a type and a shadow of mankind. 
all of man was recreated from slave to free. They were slaves in Egypt. And who were led out? All. Who was saved from Egypt? All. Okay. With who was God pleased? Let's read the next verse. But with many of them God was not was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. I'm going to read another verse now, because they did not believe. They could not believe. The fact that you led out. <laughs> you know why God led you out? So that you can believe in Him. For it pleases Him that you can have His quality of life based on belief. God's quality of life is He can believe in His Son. You know how bad it would be? You know, I don't have that situation, but maybe you, you've had in your life where you were fighting with your children and your son didn't believe in you anymore. And then you do everything in your power to change his situation. You bail him out of jail. You'll do everything possible for what reason? Not to get him out of the jail. You don't care about the jail. What you care about is that he can believe in you again. That the relationship can be restored. That there can be belief in one another. Hallelujah. So, for us to believe, we had to be saved from the jail. So, all of man was saved from Egypt. We, all of mankind, has been saved from the law as a way unto life. All of man. And what is not well pleasing to the Father is if we don't want to believe that and continue in the law. It doesn't please the Father. The Bible says, those that come to God must, uh, it says faith pleases God, for those that come to Him must believe. So why does faith please God? What is faith? Faith is a persuasion of what God has done. When you can be fully persuaded of what God has done, you will find belief starts to rise in your heart. So God loves the fact that we can have faith or be persuaded of what Christ has done. For persuasion of what Christ has done will bring the end result to us, which is a relationship with God based on mutual trust. When I was in unbelief, and I would get financial pressure, I'll start to quote scriptures. I hope you hear what I'm saying. If I'm in stress, and I take and I say, but the Bible says, then my knower knows. Now I'm busy with rubbish. Because I'm not believing. I can be kicked out of churches for saying that. But then God and I will sit and talk outside. <clears throat> I'm not saying the scripture can, the scripture correctly interpreted is, I'm not saying the scripture is bad. But what I'm saying is, God has redeemed you from a life where you quote scripture to try and change yourself to just get tires for your car. To a place where we have been restored to live from belief. A resting of the mind in who He is. That's what He wants. He's given us no reason not to believe. And to me, 
that life that, that comes from that belief is called eternal life. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I experience it as long as my mind is addressed at who he is. And the moment my mind's not addressed anymore, or call it the word believe then, I find I'm not in a safe place anymore. Because I sit in a place where the law system wants to kill me. And this is what Paul said in Romans 7. He said, I was alive without the law once. I found eternal life, God's quality of life that is possessed in this wonderful belief in Him. I find it inside me. But when the commandment came back, when I became law-minded again, I died. I died. To me, if you ask me, one side always side or not one side always, I don't care about those things. My life, if I cannot, it would, the, the most dreadful place would be sitting in heaven not believing in God. Belief to me, and, and, and I don't read this in a book, I'm just sharing my heart, that is life. That is life. That is life. My life was born from that. Let's, let's quickly go to Jude. Listen, I'm going to steal some of your eating time. You can go and get fat later. <clears throat> Amen. <laughs> the food's in the house. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Let's, let's, let's go and, and just read Jude 1. Jude's only got one, but I always struggle to find him, but here he is. Jude 1, read from verse 2. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. The common salvation. The Bible says called no man, common. Okay? And that common there talks about salvation for every man. What salvation does it refer to? According to my reasoning, it is the salvation out of Egypt. Everyone. Okay? I will write to you about the common salvation. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now I want to explain that word, the faith, there. If you, whenever you see the faith, you can actually just write next to it the gospel. The gospel. Because what was called the faith, according to me, is because of what I'm preaching. Because faith was restored. And it was something God believed, the faith, that we can now again believe in Him. Something God was persuaded of, declared to all of man. That's why righteousness revealed from faith, His faith, to our faith, as we believe what He believes. Right. Verse 4. For there are certain men, creeping unaware, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of God into 
lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put to your remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed them that believed not. That's in the Bible. I want to explain that. I want to explain that. God, in the Old Testament, it says, take a woman or a man that is in fornication adultery. What did you do? You took stones and you killed them. It doesn't mean God kills them. It means what they partook of kills them. Because it was a sign to the New Testament where it says, once you marry to Christ and you go and fornicate to the law, you shall, with the law you will die. That's what it was talking about. And here it says, when all is let out and you don't believe, you'll die. In the Old Testament, it was, God said kill them because it was a sign. It wasn't God killing them. It was a sign of what would happen in the new, that if you don't believe, you'll die. Not because God kills you, but a life outside of belief is dead. I hope you hear what I'm saying. I'm speaking to the spiritual. If, if you can't, you will not understand what I'm saying. Jesus, God in the Old Testament would say, kill the person. Because it would be a sign of the natural outflow in the new. If you fornicate with Moses, when you are in the gospel message, you will die. It will bring forth death in your marriage, death in your finances, condemnation. The flesh will revive. That's Paul said it. In Romans 7. Okay? Because you're under that law. So here he says, I want to bring to your remembrance, all were let out. But God was pleased when they believed, not as an obedience to a command, and God is pleased with your obedience. He was pleased with the fact that he is in relationship with his man again. And let us not mix these things up and get confused about it. All of mankind was recreated. The word saved means to be kept safe. And those that believe are kept safe from the ministration of death written on stones. And in the return of Jesus, you know what will happen? Then this flesh will be glorified that there is not even a place anymore where it can bombard us or harass us, or where there's any war against it anymore. In this life, according to Ephesians, we are living in a war. And this is the war. Just to keep believing this wonderful truth, and don't allow some other rubbish into our lives. This was written in Proverbs 4 from verse 20 already. Okay? So that is it. But then there will come a place where this thing that wars against us will be taken out of the way. And you might say, but Bertie, why doesn't God take it away right now? Because there are still people that are hearing the prick in their heart and they want to respond and they're just waiting for somebody to share this message with them. And tomorrow I'm going to share about that. What happens to those that die and have never heard the gospel? I'm going to preach on that tomorrow. And it's going to bring, I will tell you when I got this revelation about what I'm going to preach in the next, uh, tomorrow, it brought the freedom to Bertie Brits <laughs> that I can't explain to you on just how to live in this world. So, John 
3 says it this way, and I'm quickly going to run through this. It says, um, <clears throat> There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi. Now that word Rabbi to me is a very uh, key word. It means teacher. It means I've come to learn. We know that you are a, a teacher that comes from God. For no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. So he believes that Jesus is from God. But that does not save him. Okay? That doesn't keep him safe. Jesus answered and said unto him, Very, very, I say unto you, Except a man be born again or born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now what, what, is, Jesus, what is he trying to say here? Nicodemus comes. Nicodemus' life was born from the flesh. He was, his life consisted out of believing that he, because he's a Jew, he is the people of God. Now he comes to him and, he's, and, and he says, Teach me, Master. Then Jesus said to him, except a man be born from above, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So what was he actually saying to him? He was saying, Nicodemus, you will not understand what I'm trying to say to you. You're not going to understand what I'm trying to say to you. Because you need to be born from above to understand these things. I am from above. So he understood. His disciples, the disciples of Jesus also didn't understand. It was only one that understood. It was Jesus, for he was the only one born from above. Okay? Next verse, Jesus answered and said unto him, Very, very, I say unto you, except a man be born again, or born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time at his mother's womb? Jesus answered, Verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of the spirit, of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So he said to him, Nicodemus, Unless there is a certain birth that takes place, you cannot enter this kingdom. You cannot even understand what I am saying. And I don't have time to go to Galatians talking about what it means to be born of the flesh and the spirit there. Uh, verse 7, Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Here he, he doesn't even just talk about a man. Now he's talking about Nicodemus personally. The, the same thing about the global and now the personal. Marvel not that I say unto you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it wants to. You hear the sound thereof, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So what does he say? He says, Nicodemus, I see you are marveling. You don't understand. Let me tell you again. Even if you don't understand, you still need a new birth. The reason why you don't understand me is because I'm from the Spirit. You find your life and you want to make sense out of this from a law perspective. You cannot understand what I'm trying to say. I am from the Spirit. But even if you don't understand, this still remains the truth. Then he says, and he goes on, and he said to him in verse 9, Nicodemus answered to him, How are these things possible? Now Jesus is going to explain how it's possible for a man to be born again. Verse 13, And no man... Um, Sorry, verse... Yeah, I'm not going to read verse 11 and 12. Verse 13. And no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. So what was Jesus saying by those funny words? He said, listen, I'm going to explain to you how a man is born again. No one has ascended to heaven, but he that comes down from heaven, the Son of Man. That was a nice way of saying... I, the Son of Man, sit in heaven as well, and I am the representative of the whole human race. I'm the last Adam. Okay. 
And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So, this man, which came from heaven, which is Jesus, in human flesh, which is the Son of Man, is the Son of God, the Son of Man, the last Adam. The way, only way you can be born again is if this man, this representative of the human race, the last Adam, be lifted up onto a pole. Now Nicodemus didn't understand squat about this. He didn't know what was going on. But thank God Jesus said it that we can understand. Now, you know. Right, so. Now listen to the next. And this is very important to understand. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have eternal life. Okay. To understand that, you've got to go to Numbers 21, where the whole thing happened. What happened was, these people rejected the manna that fell from heaven. They said, this is light bread. We want flesh. Okay, we want the quartals. I don't know what it's called. We don't want this light bread. You brought us into the wilderness to die, saying, you have redeemed all of mankind just for the purpose of dying. Okay, he says, that is not the truth. We want something heavy. We just don't want this light bread. And when they said we don't want the manna, what happened? Fiery serpents came and bit them. And then death was abiding in them. So the moment the snake bit them, what happened? They were in death. But the only way for them not to have death in them was if the snake could be put on a pole. But the snake on the pole is not what saved them. That's not what brought a change in their life. The snake was on the pole. The snake was crucified. The venom was crucified. It, it, it died. But who were those that experienced life? Those that looked at the pole with intent. Amen. When we can believe, our minds goes to rest and we believe. And all of us here, we do believe this. It's so easy to believe. We believe that the old man was crucified. And that's what verse 16 says. So that whosoever believes upon him. That word believe there is connected to those that look at the snake. In Numbers 21. The look in Numbers 21 is put as believe here. Rest those who can rest their mind or look with intent at Jesus upon the cross as the old Adam dead, I look at it with this intent that from that death and seeing that death, His life is my life. And then I will have eternal life. What is eternal life? It is the life that is experienced as a, when the venom of the snake is removed from your belief system by believing in something else. And that is how a man is born again. The whole process was explained here. The individual birth plus the global birth or the global recreation in John chapter 3. John chapter 3, the whole thing is about the global recreation until verse 16. And then the wonderful thing about the Trinity, He never denies your individuality. And there is verse 16 where my life 
is born from it. John 1 verse 12, as many as accepted him or believed, accepted him, to them gave he the right or the authority. Listen to this. You know, when Arthur said it there, I read it in the Greek there. You received the authority to experience a life that finds its origin in God. Mm. These are those that has their mind at rest at what Christ has done. I hope this brings clarity to you guys. You know, and understanding the difference between the different births and different righteousnesses. Man, God bless you guys.